the parental rights bill states that anyone can challenge a book, no matter where they are. They don't have to read the book. All they have to do is say it is harmful to children. It hurts their souls. And the book is immediately taken off of the shelves in Florida. We have public education for the good of the country so that we can create an educated electorate with critical thinking skills. We should all learn about each other, learn about ourselves, learn about each other. I need to read books about other people like me. They need to read books about people like them. They need to read books about people who aren't like them. Those are the books they are banning. The books the kids need. Go to the marches, go out there, get out there, make sure the books are available. We'll keep doing what we're doing because direct action is where it's at. Welcome to episode 145 of the Refuse Fascism Podcast, a podcast brought to you by volunteers with Refuse Fascism. I'm Sam Goldman, one of those volunteers and host of the show. Refuse Fascism exposes, analyzes, and stands against the very real danger and threat of fascism coming to power in the United States. In today's episode, we share an interview with Adam Tritt, founder of Foundation 451 named after Fahrenheit 451, a dystopian novel by Ray Bradbury. Foundation 451's goal is getting banned and challenged books back into the hands of students. But first, thanks to everyone who goes the extra step and rates and reviews the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Here are two sweet reviews from this past week on Apple Podcasts. Keemish Squeamish gives the show five stars, titles the review a very important podcast, and writes, quote, every episode is crucial to my understanding of the alarming scope and depth that fascism has and is poisoning our society, end quote. And Pat73 gives the show five stars, titles the review Epic AF, and writes, quote, Thank you for being so engaged, going the extra mile, and giving voice to this existential threat and trying time. Prayer hands, peace sign, heart emoji, end quote. Thanks for those reviews, y'all. If you appreciate the show and want to help us reach more people who want to refuse fascism, be a gem and go write a review and drop five stars wherever you listen to your pods. Please tell the people out there in podcast land why you listen, and they should too. Subscribe, follow, so you never miss an episode, and of course, keep up all that great commenting and sharing on social media. I'm eager to share the interview with Adam, but there are just a couple newsy things I need to touch on. So, after callously using abortion rights to minimize Democratic losses in the midterms, Biden's State of the Union called for immediate action for abortion rights and delivered a passionate case on the devastation already brought to bear in the seven months since women have become second-class citizens. No! Fuck no, not at all. As we stand within weeks of mifepristone and abortion medication being banned nationwide, and the most common method of abortion becoming obsolete, yes, in blue states too, abortion rights got less than a minute, less than a minute in Biden's State of the Union. I highly recommend reading Jessica Valenti's essay on this, linked in the show notes, and just altogether subscribing to her Substack. 
we will be talking more, much more, about the dangerous looming ban on medication abortion in coming episodes. Meanwhile, Trump congratulated the House Republicans on their congressional hearing into Hunter Biden's laptop. In reality, the contents of the laptop were inconsequential at best, but in the fascist alternate fact universe, this little machine means so many different things. Vindication of Trump's righteousness and his first impeachment trial, proof of the absolute evil that resides in the hearts of their enemies, quote-unquote hard evidence against the Democrats, which big tech and the mainstream media and the deep state is doing everything to quash, implicating all the institutions they love to hate, justifying burning them all down for fascism. And now that the Republicans have the House, all of that has gone beyond Fox News talking heads into official congressional hearings with potentially very real consequences. In today's interview, we bring you to the Fascist Republic of Florida, where on top of Don't Say Gay and Stop Woke, last month, Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida Department of Education imposed sweeping bans on books in public schools, both in libraries and in classrooms, with the threats of felony prosecution. It's commonplace to see classroom libraries emptied, bookshelves covered, what books can stay and what books go is still being hashed out. But what is clear, what happens in Florida doesn't stay in Florida, nor is it meant to. The attacks on education, on books, the erasure of blackness, the censoring of history, just like the attacks on abortion rights, trans rights, and voting rights happening right now in Florida aren't designed to stay within its borders, and they're already spreading. As Moira Dunnigan for The Guardian reported, quote, in mid-January, DeSantis's Department of Education issued new guidance to educators, saying that all books that have not been approved by a state-compliant censor, euphemistically termed a school media specialist, should be concealed or removed from classrooms, because the law deems some books pornographic or obscene. It also creates the possibility that teachers who provide books that feature LGBT content to students could be given third-degree felony charges. The guidance prompted teachers in several populous counties to remove books from their classrooms altogether. Photos of bare shelves in classrooms went viral. Other teachers hid the books from students' view, draping them behind ominous curtains of paper. There were reports of children crying and begging for their books back, end quote. Judd Lugum reported in his Substack Popular Info that they're expanding the Stop Woke Act and Don't Say Gay to library books. He writes, quote, Duval County Public Schools, which includes Jacksonville and the surrounding area, has enthusiastically embraced the task of complying with DeSantis's new mandates. Unlike many counties, Duval County Schools initiated a review of books in Duval County Schools months ago. So what's happening in Duval County may be an early indicator of what's coming for the rest of the state, end quote. Many of these reviews, these challenges, really, involve books that were part of the Essential Voices Classroom Libraries Collection, a collection that delivers diverse books to classrooms and was purchased by the district in 2021. Books where students see themselves in what they read and learn about others. And lest you forget, DeSantis also announced that he would ban the AP African American Studies course, saying it violated his Stop Woke Act and was pushing an agenda on our kids. The College Board, which is responsible for AP courses, almost immediately caved. Its implications are nationwide. Their revisions eliminated instruction in the work of Black feminist thinkers, Bell Hooks, Angela Davis, Audre Lorde, and make the study of the Black Lives Matter movement optional. 
What has been added, you might wonder? Well, now the course encourages research into Black conservatism. In a statement made on Saturday, the college board says, quote, we deeply regret not immediately denouncing the Florida Department of Education's slander magnified by the DeSantis administration's subsequent comments that African-American studies lacks educational value. Our failure to raise our voice betrayed Black scholars everywhere, end quote. And this fascist assault is not limited to K-12 education, as DeSantis has announced an extensive agenda to remake the state's public universities to ensure higher education, quote, is rooted in the values of Western tradition, end quote. This includes tighter control on faculty hiring and prohibitions on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. With that, now here's my conversation with Adam. So a couple weeks ago now, I shared in, I think it was the intro commentary, maybe it was in the outro, I was giving shout outs to groups in Florida that were taking action. And I mentioned a mock book burning protest that was organized in Melbourne, Florida. And one of the groups that participated was Foundation 451. And I am so excited to bring my listeners the founder of this group and a key organizer of this action to talk a little bit more about what's happening in Florida and the action that people can take to support teachers, students, literacy, justice, democracy. And I am really happy to welcome onto the show, Adam Tritt. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. So before we get into it, can you just start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself? You're a teacher. How did you get involved? That happened the middle of May last year. 2022 when i was told via email that i needed to do three things one was i needed to uh take an inventory of everything i was using in my ap english class and send it via email to the department of education so that it could be scrutinized by the governor i said no I said that I've been asking for years for textbooks for the class and took a picture of my filing cabinets. And I said, I scrounge everything together that I use for this class. You are welcome to come down here and rifle through these cabinets and look at the things that I use. I never heard back from them. The uh, other thing was an email about a week later that told me I needed to take Flutterhouse 5 and the Kite Runner off of my shelves immediately and not allow access to the students. And this is a book that I had used for my AP classes, The Slaughterhouse-Five. I didn't actually use Kite Runner, but don't tell me I can't use a book. So I had to remove those books. I had a whole class set of Slaughterhouse-Five that we were about to get into for the last little bit of class that we had before we broke. I removed them from the shelves. Then I went to the book room and I took all the other copies of (laughs) Slaughterhouse-Five. (laughs) And I stored those in my room, too, in case they were going to get weird about it and consign them to the furnace, as has been done with that book before. Well, we don't actually have furnaces. It's Florida, but, you know, wood chipper. That's what the impetus was in a state where they continuously tell us how important it is to pay homage to, be thankful to our veterans. They had me take a book by an awarded combat veteran who had survived the firebombing of Dresden and wrote about first person about his experience 
and his mental break, which is what Slaughterhouse-Five really is. It's a first-person narrative. Names are changed, but it's, it's his first-person narrative. And I'm supposed to take it off of the shelves because children aren't supposed to learn about war. And really what it is, they consider it to be anti-Christian because he discusses the complicity of Christianity in war and satirizes Christianity. And they don't like the fact that the soldiers curse when they're shot because they should just politely grab the affected area and mumble something about, I, I don't know, oh my goodness, I do believe I've been shot. Yikes. There's a sex scene in it they don't like. I'm not sure what would a young soldier traipsing without shoes through the snow dream about when he falls into the snow. And there's a crudely drawn picture of breasts. Heaven forbid. Yes. So it had a couple Because no, ho- no high schoolers drawing that in their notebooks, no high schoolers drawing it on their desks or no. on the lockers. No, it's not there. Kite Runner, of course, has one paragraph where the main character is raped. That is the prime mover in the story. Yeah. But to hear them tell it when they went to the school board, the book is nothing but rape scenes from beginning to end and is absolutely prurient and it's pornographic. Sorry if you find that scene pornographic, you you need help. You need to seek therapy. Yeah. Those books had to come off the shelf. I stewed on that for a little while. Unfortunately, my wife was out of town for two days, so I was left unsupervised. And (laughs) when she came back, I had already hatched a plan for giving these books out over the summer at a festival or two. I asked over Facebook, I need to raise like, I don't know, 500 bucks. I'll buy them myself if I need to, but I'm a teacher. Please send me a few bucks here and there or buy some books and send them to me. I'm happy either way, but I'm going to give these books out just because someone needs to give these people the middle finger. I have a long history of direct action starting with Earth First in my earlier days. Obviously, I've had quite a few earlier days at this point. And I thought, well, you know, I have an idea what to do. I can do this. Within a week, we had a few thousand bucks. Within a month and a half, we were like $20,000. And June 2nd, we had our first event, and we gave away 67 books, if I recall. And it's just grown from there. We gave out 120-some-odd books at a 5K, and 320 books, I believe, at Pride. 100-some-odd books at Juneteenth, um, 170 books at a Caribbean Heritage Festival. People are hungry for these books. They don't know they exist because largely they're not in the schools anymore. And a third of the students here don't have internet access. They're also attacking the libraries, so you can't really find them in the libraries much of the time either. Cute little ploys like checking the books out and then never bringing them back again. So the book is technically on the record as being there, so they can't purchase another one, but the books don't exist. That's how we got started. It's so righteous what you and the people who you're collaborating with are doing and a model for so many more people to be taking action. I'm a teacher in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And when I was talking- I love Philly. Yeah. I really do. I know what I see what's happening just north of you in Bucks. It's ugly. And it's right outside of the city. They're not the only place. I talk to my friends who are just in this Philly bubble and it's outside of our cozy home, what's happening across the state. A lot of us were struck by 
how there didn't seem to be for a while a lot of resistance or teachers saying no. What we saw was the emptied out bookshelves, the sad, sad kindergarten libraries with no books or the sad faces of teachers. And there weren't as many examples of people resisting or people saying no. There was that quote that you had given where you're talking at this mock book burning in Melbourne. And you said, you want to ban books? I'm giving them away. You want me to be quiet about it? Give me a megaphone. I think that that spirit of refusal to comply really, really needs to spread, especially when it's happening in schools and our children are watching and seeing yeah. how we respond. It's really um, just oppositional defiance disorder on my part, but it's, it's a good excuse for me. Well, it's a good way to channel it. It's a socially acceptable way to channel it for at least half of the people here. Exactly. Not um, the ones with power, though. No, no, they're channeling it negatively and doing great harm. But I just wanted to step back for a minute. When people are looking about at these pictures that they see online of the books taken off the shelf, if they're taking a look and seeing the piles of books that have been confiscated or not right. confiscated, but logged, I guess, for being challenged. Right. Hundreds and hundreds of books, I think thousands of books, actually, that have been marked and deemed verboten. What is this about? There's what it's really about, but there's also what is this part of? Why is this happening? What compels both your administrator to say you needed to take these books away? And what is happening recently in the past few months in Florida as it relates to the attacks on education? I don't really feel the answer is complex, but the question was complex. There are several parts to it. So I'd prefer to take it one part at a time. What is instigating this across the United States and not specifically in Florida is wanting to make a particular portion of our population disappear. I will state that I am of the opinion, though I believe this to be true. This is their opinion. I believe this is their thought process. It's okay if you're black, as long as you understand that you have to strive to be like the white people. And it's okay. We understand that you might be gay. Just don't be gay. Be like the white heterosexuals. And if you hide it, it's fine. Don't let it out. You must emulate the white heterosexuals. And then you're fine. So they want to make these people disappear. A good way to make something disappear is to take away the representation. Take away anything that could wake a student up. And in this way, they will also be shoring up their voting base. I know students do not know these books exist because you know, if you don't have internet access, even if you do, you don't get on Amazon and say, I wonder what books might strike me as being necessary for me to find who I am. There's no button on Amazon for tell me who I am. I'll give you two short stories. By the way, parents are always there when we give our books away. The one of their battle cries was parental choice, parental choice. So they come to our tables and they watch us and the parents come up with their kids and they choose the books together and they scream, that's pornographic, that's pornography, that's pornography. Even a book like Feminist Baby, because the Feminist Baby doesn't like pants. And you one-year-old baby button, that's sexualizing children. Like, really, you think so? I think you should seek professional assistance. If you believe a one-year-old baby butt is sexualizing children, we are not the ones with the problem. Right. You are the one sexualizing children. Yes. If every representation of someone without some clothes on is sexual, then you'd need help. And they trot out the same little pictures or little frames 
And I discuss with them Miller versus California in 1973, Tall Tree School District versus Pico in 82, which says students have First Amendment rights to books that go against the common thoughts of the community. So they have access to these ideas. The community doesn't have to agree with the book for it to be within First Amendment rights. The 73 decision that has the, created the Miller test. It's will we get Potter Stewart, the um, uh, Supreme Court justice. This was a right-leaning court with Berger as the chief justice. Potter Stewart is paraphrased, mind you, it was much more legalese than this, but he is paraphrased as saying, I don't know how to define pornography, but I know it when I see it, and this isn't it. So according to the Miller test as defined by that court, if the book has value, as literary or as science or as art or because it's not confined just to literature outside of the one passage or the passages that have to do with sexuality it passes if the passage itself is necessary for the book part two part three the passage nor the book itself is designed to excite or titillate sexually then it is literature not pornography and certainly the kite runner passes that Feminist Baby passes that. The Handmaid's Tale passes that. They come over to the tables and they see that parents are there and they screen pornography. And then I will walk up to them and I'll say, you said the problem was parental rights. These parents are here with their kids. It is their right. I'm giving you what you want. Go away. They do not like that. By doing this, they are shoring up their voting base. They are giving their voting base something that they can latch onto and feel that this is being done for the good of God and country, for whatever it else is that they pretend to actually believe in hypocritically, they're giving them this and they're going to vote for them because they've done this. They want to claim that they are going to come into office and get rid of CRT. Well, done, because it was never there, but they claim it's done. Voila, they have voters. That's the second reason they do this. Black people don't have to go away. Gay people don't have to go away. They do have to be quiet and they have to be act like they are or wish to be. Acknowledge that white heterosexual is the way they're supposed to be. Just be quiet about who you are and then make sure you vote for the right people. That's why I feel this is being done. It doesn't save children. Or to quote, the main reason they give for getting rid of these books is it damages children's souls. They don't have to read the book. All they have to do is say it is harmful to children. It hurts their souls. And the book is immediately taken off of the shelves in Florida. Who is deeming what hurts children's souls? Any individual. You don't have to be a parent. You don't have to even be in Florida. The parental rights bill states that anyone can challenge a book, no matter where they are. I'm okay with the fact that non-parents can come into a school, look at the library, see what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Although that should be the area of the media specialist, the librarian, but the media specialist is also a curriculum specialist and they should be the arbiter of what is and is not appropriate. They know better than I do. They know better than the parents do. School's not for the child. I get called on that all the time, but go back to the founding fathers for whatever difficulties they had. We have public education for the good of the country so that we can create an educated electorate with critical thinking skills so we can make sure that we can not only have our democracy, but as Franklin said, 
we can keep it. We're losing it now through lack of critical thinking skills. It is not for the parents. It's not for the individual child. I understand at this point, really many schools are there so parents can go out and work, but it's not why the schools were developed. They're for the good of the entire community. That is why people who don't have kids still pay part of their property taxes for schools. More and more people are renting and that's not their fault. I'll say it's capitalism's fault, but they're not even paying taxes in. And I'm all for revamping the system so everyone somehow gives their fair share for schools. Then we all should have a say. They want to say that it's up to them what goes in the schools, but they're not the only people paying for the schools. The retired guy up the block is paying for the schools. The lesbian couple down the street that don't have kids and the, the, the gay couple that does, they're all paying for these schools. We're all paying for the schools. It's not there for the parents to say what their own kid should and should not be reading. Now, maybe they can speak for their own child. But Moms for Liberty started as a group. Their catchphrase was, we do not co-parent with the government, to fight that schools were mandating masks. Okay, we said, your kid doesn't need to wear a mask. It goes a bit against the science, but your kid doesn't need to wear a mask. That's fine. You want your kid to wear pants? Let's take it to this ridiculous extreme. Whatever. Other kids still have to wear a mask. So they were okay with that. Now they're flipping it. Now I get to tell your kids what to do. I don't like Slaughterhouse-Five. Your kids can't read it. I don't like Forever by Judy Bloom. You're attacking Judy Bloom? What the hell's wrong with you? I don't like Forever by Judy Bloom. No children can read it. Take it off of the shelves. And that's what's happening now all through the United States. Uh, challenges are immediate bans. They argue that with me. I give them the definition of the word ban. It's an exclusion. It is removed from circulation. It is no longer allowed access to. That's how a ban is defined. A book is challenged. It's removed from the shelf. That's a ban. A book is challenged and it goes to a review committee. They start to look at it. That's fine. Still on the shelf in the meantime. That's a challenge. I'm all for that. Let's do that. But they don't do that. And they got rid of review committees in our county, at least in many other counties. So they're not even reviewing the books at this point. They're just stripping the books away. Yeah. They're saying that they're quote unquote unvetted, but all of them are unvetted. Therefore, they're all banned. They didn't technically get rid of the review committee. They postponed it. There's no time they're bringing Indefinitely? it Indefinitely? Yes. <laughs> and they have passed a rule that they will allow on the committee a media specialist, but the media specialist will no longer have a vote. Only the proxy of the school board member will have a vote. Thus, if it's two to three, the committee is still going to be two to three. The media specialists, the ones that actually know about these books, will not have a vote. Now, it gets worse. The state does not ban books. The state does have Stop Woke, parental rights law, don't say gay, as it's been called, that says we can't use certain materials. So 1619 Project, I can't use. There's a whole bunch of books I can't use, but they're not banned. Only materials in it are banned. So I could like maybe show them the cover. This is as far as that will go. So ludicrous. It is. It would, it would be laughable if it wasn't so dangerous. The textbook I am using has coats in it. Anahasi coats, yeah. But coats was just taken out of the AP curriculum. Along uh, with so many other important scholars. For African-American studies, Bell Hooks. It hurts me that Bell Hooks was taken. It hurts me it. that Robin D.G. Kelly was taken, that Barbara Ransby was taken. So many great books. Mm -hmm. So the state doesn't particularly ban books. Hillsborough County, across the state, that's Tampa and St. Petersburg. On the Gulf Coast, they reviewed this book is gay. They said under no circumstances does this book have any pedophilia in it. 
It does not promote being gay any more than a book with a heterosexual character promotes being heterosexual. This is not in here. There's no prurience in here. And one of our elected leaders from Tallahassee stepped in and said, no, I want the minutes. I want all of your notes. I will not stand for this. That was three days ago. So it's okay for the school boards to make these decisions as long as they agree with the fascists, the politicians up in in Tallahassee, as long as they are in agreement. As soon as they're not in agreement, the hammer comes down. That's where we are now. And the agreement needs to be in line with white, cishet, Christian, did I say male, dominance. Yes, I think that's accurate, yes. I think that the action that you most recently did, it might not have been your most recent action, but the one that we learned about, I think had such impact in people's minds and hearts because it made the stakes clear and what the implications are of what starts with banning books and where that heads and where that leads. And this is not a new path. It's a well-worn path and it's an extremely ominous one. And you know, when I was reflecting on what you were saying about they want populations to disappear from the pages of books because they want them to disappear in reality. I think that there's the import for young people to see themselves in books and to see others that are unlike them how we build empathy through the most empathetic people. You know, I always think are the deep readers of fiction that have windows into all these different people's lives that are nothing like themselves. It's why people can learn about things that are outside their neighborhood or outside their block. They can also envision a different way that the world can be. We often think about like the stripping away of history and the indoctrination of children and lies, which is true. It's absolutely true and horrific. There's also the stripping away of imagination and the envisioning a world that could be just. Well, we know that the less fiction we read, the less compassionate we are, the less we can understand where other people are coming from. And it's vitally important in a pluralistic culture, as pluralistic as ours is, that we understand where other people are coming from. On my way to New York to be on the Tamron Hall show, I read, because I was going to be on with Johnson, All Boys Aren't Blue. And I thought, oh crap, one of the books I haven't read yet. So I read it on the way. It's a wonderful book. It reads so smoothly. I, I always want to talk about their writing style, first of all, which is reads so smoothly, so calmly. It's a joy to read. But what they're talking about is not necessarily joyful. And I realized that some of their experiences, first-time experience, other people have had experiences like that, gay, straight, otherwise. The experiences have been similar. Experience with abuse, harassment. Okay, I recognize those. It doesn't matter that Johnson is gay and that I'm not. I recognize this experience. Now, let's say I didn't understand that we're all the same. This would help me understand that. This would help anyone understand we're not all that different. And why shouldn't a white kid learn about black kids like that? Or a black kid learn that they're not the only person having this experience. We should all learn about each other, learn about ourselves, learn about each other. I need to read books about other people like me. They need to read books about people like them. They need to read books about people who aren't like them. So we realize that there are differences and those differences can be celebrated. There are similarities and we're not that different. We'd be a better country. Again, that does not help promote an atmosphere of us and them. 
and us and them and divisiveness helps create fear. Fear generates votes. So it's necessary to keep us divided and factioned. And it's certainly working. The country is balkanizing, as you are aware. And I think even beyond votes, although I am not discounting that element, it's it's true. I think that there's also the reality that if you want people to go along with the shredding of civil rights, the shredding of democratic rights, you can't have them in the pages. You can't promote and propel genocidal white supremacist program and have books and ideas that celebrate blackness and anti-racism. You can't go after in the most vicious ways against women, against LGBTQ people, and have classrooms rich in examinations of issues around identity and patriarchy. So I think that this is part of the stew, as I call the fascist laboratory that is Florida under Ron DeSantis' tutelage. It's the stew that he's soaking folks in. There's a beautiful book it's in a bin ready to go out to the next distribution called uh, Fry Bread. We try to make sure everyone- It's so good. It's so oh, good. I have okay. it in my classroom. Yeah. So I you understand, you know the page that got it banned. As you know, Fry Bread is smell. Fry Bread is history. Fry Bread is taste. Fry Bread is heritage. And the one page, Fry Bread is our story or something like that. The strangers on the land, the having to make do with foods that we have never had before, having to adapt. Oh, colonialization? Oh, we can't have that. Ban that book. You have given out how many, do you estimate, books? As of yesterday, 1,228. Amazing. We're just getting started. Someone gifted us with a trailer yesterday. My home was full of books. I mean, other than my own library, our home was full of books. We couldn't get down the hallway. It's a 900 square foot home and 600 square feet of it was books. So now they're in the little trailer. That sounds like my dream home. Except they're all in crates and boxes because they come from purchases, from the money that's donated. They come from the publishers. They come from authors. They come from bookstores that send them to us. Whole classroom libraries are sent to us now because the laws are so vague. Teachers don't know what they can and can't teach. So they're completely getting rid of the classroom libraries and sending them to me to give away. And we do. We keep the banned books. The non-banned books we distribute to little free libraries. So we make sure they all go to where they need to go to. If anyone wants to donate the libraries, we have a program here called Little Black Book Club. So books with black authors, black characters, they go to Little Black Book Club and they're given out several times a year. So we make sure they all get to good homes, but they were all transported around in my tiny little Kia Soul. I have a black soul, as many people will tell you, and they're transported in that. And we added the roof rack and we added the tray on the back. And then it was like, oh, no, we can't do this anymore. It's taking me an hour to load the car and we're driving 25 miles per hour to make sure things don't fall off. So we were gifted a trailer yesterday. That's incredible. What can listeners do to join your efforts? They can send books. And we are certainly not too proud. I've been taught this. You can't be too proud to ask for money. It's how we function. We want to end up with a band wagon, B-A-N-N-E-D wagon, eventually with a mobile library so we can do quick in and out things like setting up outside the yearly Moms for Liberty meeting. There are children's homes 
orphanages with 8, 10, 12 kids. They want us to come there, and we want to. With something like that, we could do that. We could just come, and we're already set up. That's a long-term goal. Money. We have a GoFundMe. We have a PayPal. That's how we operate. There's no salaries. I mean, this is a full-time job on top of my full-time job. <laughs> my, my wife's a church administrator. By the way, most of our Little Free Libraries have been set up at churches. This really is not a religious thing, as they might have you believe. It's a hypocritical thing. Maybe an evangelical thing, but it's not a church or religious thing. We use money to set up little free libraries. Sometimes we build them ourselves. Sometimes we purchase them. We set them in the ground. We stock them. That's another thing that we do. And all of this is done with donations. And for people in Florida who Mm -hmm. want to volunteer, help with distribution, they should go to your website? Absolutely go to our website. We are building the website now. They can go to the website. They can go to our Facebook site as well. They can certainly get in touch with us that way. And is there anything else that you feel that people should be doing right now to stand up against? I would say go to your school board meetings. Moms for Liberty states that we are doing this the wrong way. We should be going to school board meetings. And oh, oh, we have video. We are at school board meetings. We are there. This is all baloney on their part. I believe they should be voting. Unfortunately, our last election here was extremely small turnout. When you consider the small turnout and then you look at the individual races, 6% voted in the school board races. We voted in two Moms for Liberty and a member of the Proud Boys. We now have a four to one majority in their direction, in most cases, a three to two in some cases. 6% voted. I know people who didn't vote. I want to wring their necks. You know, they want to complain, but they don't vote. Voting is certainly not all a person should do. Thoreau told us that vote with your whole person, not merely a slip of paper. So I would say go to the marches, go out there, get out there, make sure the books are available. You want to buy some of these books, buy some of them, bring them to a children's home, you know, orphanage, bring them there. They need the books. Go to your local library and offer to purchase books for them to put on the shelves. Are there any books that are technically here, but they're not here? May I purchase some for you? Yes, they're going to disappear. We need to keep doing it. Put up a little free library. Go to littlefreelibrary.org. Put up a little free library in your yard. Find a church that wants to put one up. Just get together with 10 friends. Each gives 50 bucks. Buy, put in, stock the whole thing. It's doable. That's what we should be doing. We should be getting these out there because the access to a broad range of ideas should not be available only to people with money and internet access and transportation. We had a young lady come to our table. She saw the book Crank, which is banned in our county. She looks at it, she puts it down. Another woman came over, picked up the book, handed her and said, this book saved my life. Those are the books they are banning, the books the kids need. Girl came over to our table four times. She picked up this book as gay, put it down when someone came over, came back, picked it up, someone came over, she went away. She came back when the table was empty, someone came over. This happened again and again. Fourth time, she just picks up another book and walks away. She came back when the table was empty and whispered in my ear, can I change this book for this one? Of course you can, dear, whatever you want. And she just cried. Every one of our students gets two free books. 
adults we ask for donations as marge piercy put it it's how we go on give if you can if you can't give find the books and get them out there if you can't do that at least for the love of god vote I want to thank you so much, Adam, for sharing your experience, for sharing the work that you're doing with us, for sharing your perspective and insight. And if there was anything that we didn't touch on that you just wanted to add, here's the time. Fascism is evil. America has a history of being anti-fascist, though we are far from perfect. We have had that history. We are backpedaling on that now where anti-fascism is actually somehow a bad thing and Nazis are okay. No, as an American, as a Jew, no, no way in hell. We'll keep doing what we're doing because direct action is where it's at. As much as it's worth mentioning the anti-fascist strain of American history, and is worth mentioning that the U.S. joined the fight against the Nazis and the fascist axis 80 years ago, and that many individuals from this country have contributed to the fight against fascism, it's worth contextualizing with the fascist and proto-fascist history of the United States. We're going up against genocide and slavery at the foundation of this country that so inspired Hitler himself, the Confederacy and Klan, which pioneered the organized tenets of fascism. Jim Crow, repeated red scares, Japanese internment, the deep and widespread support for Hitler and Mussolini and their ilk, which very clearly could have won the day in the 30s, and so much more. Because if we're to defeat a fascist America, we have to recognize reality as it is to change it. Thanks for listening to Refuse Fascism. We want to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, ideas for topics or guests, or lend a skill. We hope to do our first episode dedicated to your questions really soon. So send them in. Thanks, Dave in Texas, for your great questions. You can tweet me at Sambi Goldman, drop me a line at Samantha Goldman at refusefascism.org. Reach out to us on Mastodon at mastodon.world forward slash at refuse fascism. See the link in the show notes because I might have said it wrong. Or leave a voicemail by visiting anchor.fm forward slash refuse dash fascism and hitting the message button. Want to support the show? Hooray! It's simple. Show us some love by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or your listening platform of choice. And of course, follow, subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also literally put it on your forehead with our Refuse Fascism beanie. Available at refusefascism.org and start the combo there. Chip in to support our pod and content creation to help people understand and act to stop the fascist threat. Whether you can give $3 or $30, it all makes a difference in producing and promoting this independent weekly podcast. We are hoping to start a Patreon soon, so if you have ideas on that, please send them my way. In the meantime, give today by visiting refusefascism.org and hitting the donate button. Thanks to Richie Marini, Lena Thorne, and Mark Tinkleman for helping produce this episode. Thanks to incredible volunteers, we have transcripts available for each episode, so be sure to visit refusefascism.org and sign up to get them in your inbox. We'll be back next Sunday. Until then, in the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America.